Welcome to Full Bloom, the podcast for millennials on a journey to finding purpose and pursuing passion. My name is Martina Lindo, and I believe we can learn from each other's experiences and hopefully help each other to bloom and grow into the people we were always meant to be. Your journey to full bloom starts right now. What's up, everybody? It's me, and welcome back to Full Bloom. I hope that everybody is having a wonderful Monday, um, as wonderful as Mondays can go. But honestly, though, I feel like y'all can feel me on this. Every day feels like the same day at this point because we're at like day 5,700 million for this quarantine, and I am over it. Okay? over it but I'm grateful I'm not complaining because you know there's there's really and on a serious note there's so many things going on in the world um people are literally dying and it it can be very overwhelming and I talked about this maybe last week or the week before that you know that I'm really grateful for the internet and the source of you know release that we have found from all these tiktoks and all these memes and you know just the lighthearted things that are popping up in and around the internet so grateful for you guys keep creating all that content and keep us laughing okay <laughs> but we're here on another episode of full bloom and i'm so excited so today we're going to be doing a purpose rant and a pop the culture and then a lesson in bloom so are you guys ready let's do it so our purpose rant today we have not talked about nation in a very long time like it's been really long so i'm gonna give you guys a nation update and tie it into my rant for today because y'all he is into everything and i'm over it and over him <laughs> like i literally i'm trying to hire a nanny to come stay with us because it's been four weeks i have been locked up in the house with this child and like I've been first of all shout out to my if you follow me on my personal Instagram page you know I've been asking for recommendations for things to do with him and you've just been seeing the terror that he has reigned on in my home and you know it's fine I love him he's safe he's happy and he doesn't have a sickness so I'm fine he can continue to rain down terror on me however I've just been noticing a lot of things actually today he is 13 months or hear me 13 months 17 months and he's just been learning to do a lot of new things, right? Like he can feed himself consistently. He's talking a lot and <laughs> he's running. He's learning how to jump. He is repeating everything. Like he, he really likes to absorb information and then like try to give it back to you in the way that he processed it, right? So that just got me thinking just in general about, especially even with, with what's going on in the world, like as people, we tend to absorb a lot of what we and and it's crazy because it starts in infancy. Like I'm watching him model so much of the things that my husband and I do, things that we do even unconsciously, and he's picking up those behaviors. And so I'm thinking now, like as an adult, do I still do that? Like, am I still subconsciously picking up behaviors from my environment without even realizing? And it's like, what kind of environment am I creating? Like, am I consciously making an effort? to not you know pick up more bad habits because y'all as an adult it's so hard to break 
things that we you know learned as children and it's just like the process of unlearning is so much harder when you're picking something up older so I mean I know I don't know if I'm making sense but I think I am I think that it just it just really got me thinking about how do I make sure that I'm being intentional about my actions and my behaviors especially now that I know that I have somebody who is literally modeling everything that I do and even if we don't like think about it in that way he is he's watching every single thing that I do and it's just like now you know I think back to when you were growing up and your parents would you'd hear other parents be like well they're not list they're not gonna do what you say they're gonna do what you do and I'm just like that was such a real thing because I'm watching him literally become a little mini version of my husband and myself in different ways and so you know just I love watching him grow and you know learn new things but now I just feel like this added pressure to really be conscious of the things that I do and say around him because I mean (laughs) I don't know if I should tell the story but I'm gonna tell it (laughs) all right I'm not gonna tell which which one of us it is just so that we can hold on to some dignity but one of us in our relationship always complain about a certain set of people in the world and don't think you know what it is because you don't but nation and i were walking um in the neighborhood the other day and you know every single person that we passed nation was like hi like you know waving and you all i see is this little hand in the the stroller like stretching out to all these people we passed a certain couple and nation looks the other way y'all and i'm like wait what i was like no there's no way and he did not wave to them and you know one of us in the relationship is always complaining about something that this group of people always does and i think that nation has internalized that in his little baby brain he realized that he was not gonna wave to this couple because one of his parents is always complaining about something they do (laughs) y'all i swear i'm not making this up like it legitimately happened this way and i was like i came home and i was like javon you will never believe what happened while we were walking and you know we both laughed about it because i mean it's something obviously very silly but i i I don't want to sound like you know either one of us is like racist or prejudiced but it's it's a funny thing but whatever you know if you want to find out just dm me and i'll tell you the whole story But it was just funny because it's like, you know, he's picking up on these things. And so I think we just need to be more conscious of the things that we're picking up in and around our environment, even the like different mentalities that we might have or outlooks that we might pick up that weren't our own before. It's just something that you really need to be conscious of, especially in this time where, you know, you know, the way that we live life has changed. And so in a lot of ways, we'll become very impressionable when it comes to certain things, almost as impressionable as children. So it's just something to think about, you know? So now it's time for this week's Pop the Culture. Hey, hey, hey. So today I'm going to talk about something I never talk about. And that's reality TV. And I know everybody, I know I'm kind of late to this conversation. Um, 
But I'm going to talk about Love is Blind because I just started reading Brian Stevenson's book, Just Mercy, over the weekend. I mean, I've read parts of it before um, and I've listened to his episode on Super Soul with Oprah. It's a must listen, by the way. He is he's just a phenomenal human being period um also guys i'm thinking about starting a book club because a lot of people have been like sending me messages and dming me about things that they're reading and you know anyway that's something that's in the works so let me know if you would be interested in being a in a book club with full bloom because that would be something i'd totally be down for to keep me accountable for my reading goals anyway i digress so love is blind cameron and lauren let's talk about them because in the book Brian Stevenson, you know, he gives some really good context for where we are in terms of race relations in America, right? It wasn't until 1967, which let me let me do the math real quick. Hold on, I'll be right back. 1967, that was 53 years ago. That's sorry, mom. That's how old my mother is. Like 53 years ago, racial uh, miscegenation, basically like the divide between like white and black um interracial relationships basically was officially like that was that ban or that law against it was outlawed so less than 50 years ago basically your parents life it was it now became legal for whites and blacks to be in a relationship legally and so a lot of my friends like were obsessed with love is blind and now jenny my from the real love her is engaged to jeezy right which i mean some people look at it different because they're both people of color but i mean i see it the same way it's two different races coming together to form a union right which hopefully will produce children or you know a new new forms of family traditions whatever but there is a merging of cultures when you have, you know, different people coming together. So I'm just like, I've really been, and this is my Spelman education coming out, where it's just like, where you know so much, where it's just like, how do you feel about this? And it's like, should you feel any way about this? It's like, these are these people's lives. Like, why do you care? But then as I've been reading the book, it's just like, in the grand scheme of what's happened in history and what's happened in culture and just what's happened to African-Americans, black people, in this country for the last 400 years almost five like it's just like it's concerning to me that I don't know it just I and I love their relationship so please don't misunderstand like what I'm saying but it just really makes me think like are we this evolved where we can now be like oh god it's it's hard to talk about this without sounding like you're being like intolerant or you know not like progressive right and i'm i'm progressive in every way but i also understand history and i understand just the the underlying issue racial integration for a lack of a better explanation that it can bring about right and i understand the context so as i'm watching these two people fall in love blindly on this show it's just like everything i knew or thought i understood about it it was completely dismantled in that moment right so now fast forward to reading this book and it's just like I'm I'm just I'm just like thinking through all of these things that we see in culture and all these things that we see in society and how our minds are being reframed. And I realized people are really making a choice to be this hateful and be this hurtful towards different races. It's literally and I knew this before, but it was just like reading this book and then thinking about 
the show and how Lauren and Cameron fell in love and just the idea of you know love being a blind thing where it doesn't matter your race and it doesn't matter your background it just matters who you love right and I thought about it and it really struck me like we have really been taught a lot of bad things like we have we have been in a lot of ways taught to hate we've been taught to be intolerant we've been taught to focus on difference rather than similarities we've been taught to focus on things that are going to cause a divide rather than the things that bring us together and I really think that our generation this is my millennial moment now like we have a responsibility in every single thing that we do to reform the way that we think about certain things the way that our mindset is around just just the things that we've been taught and how we've been taught to think about them because I thought about it and I'm just like imagine you didn't have the racial context of Lauren and Cameron's relationship imagine if that wasn't like a thing ever like you would just be happy for them because they're two people that fell in love rather than oh this white man and this black woman fell in love so it, it just really has me thinking and now just watching Jeezy and Jenny Ma is just like you know all these different people from all these different experiences like you can fall in love with anybody outside of that and, um so it just got me thinking y'all I, I want to know what you guys think so I'm gonna make a post this week um just trying to get somebody else just get your thoughts about just where we are as a society in terms of the way that we look at people and their differences and i'll just leave it at that and we'll see what happens so let's pop this culture okay so i'm so 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 excited about today's lessons in bloom or lesson in bloom it's something that I have been thinking about for a very long time and I've been thinking about how to most effectively share it with you guys and I was like this is a perfect opportunity to talk about owning my voice um, a lot of things have happened over the last few weeks and I have just been really settling into my role in this world and my my responsibility not only to my audience that I now see is so in engaged and is so excited about the things that I'm doing for you and with you and I thought about it and I've just been a lot of people have been reaching out to me about you know starting their own thing and doing their own thing and the main question is like how do I do it and I thought about my own journey and the things that I have worked on over the years and I thought about what has been the single most influential part of me becoming who I am today and I just finished reading Michelle Obama's book Becoming and it just felt very divine that I would start to talk about this now or that the episode would be as soon as I finished the book so we're going to be talking today our lesson in bloom today is about owning your voice and I think that we hear that a lot in a lot of cliche and you know buzzwordy circles but you have to think about it because because if you're going to have an audience of any kind 
of any sort, you've got to own who you are. And a part of that is being so connected to your voice and knowing that what you have to say matters, right? So let's talk about it. I know for me, owning my voice took a long time because I, you know, as I've talked about, I wasn't always confident. I always, I wasn't always sure about who I was. I had a lot of self-doubt. It was just, there were a lot of factors that were keeping me from moving forward, right? And I think systematically, as as the nature the nature of people we have been taught to silence those people who one think differently two are not you know the most popular or the coolest or the most consumable like we've just it it's it's part of a systemic and larger problem that people often feel silenced and so they don't ever get the opportunity to truly own their voice because Somebody somewhere in culture, in society, in the world that they are living in has told them that what they have to say doesn't matter. I thought about it and I realized that that was the first part of me really owning my voice was recognizing that what I have to say does matter. My experience will never be your experience. And something about my journey can help somebody else start theirs it's just like you don't ever need to feel like you're so insignificant that what you have to say doesn't need to be heard by even at least one other person and so in thinking about owning my voice and how do I help other people learn to own theirs I think that that's where you need to start is recognizing that you have something to say and what you have to have to say matters even if it's not always well received by everybody, your audience does exist exist somewhere because we were all created for a purpose. And part of doing our purpose is using our voice and, and owning that and being confident in that. So once you recognize that, you know, your voice is powerful, your voice has meaning, you know, even the sound of your voice can be soothing to somebody, even the way that you, you know, articulate and what is it? not undulate what's the word where it's like you're like using different tones I don't know that word the way that you know the modulations that's the word like how your voice modulates from up and down and like you know when poets do those spoken word things and they're just like you know the sun is blue and the green is yellow I don't know whatever that didn't even make any sense but you know the way that you sound can really inspire somebody and so even in just the the natural movement of your voice you're being effective without even saying anything you know profound or articulate or you know thought-provoking you're just being yourself and in owning that part of you using your voice you are already being effective when you take control of that part of yourself right so when I think about it one of the things that I think people automatically think when there's like okay how do I own my voice the question is like I'm afraid to and you think well why are you afraid and a lot of times people are just worried about being judged or misunderstood um my friend Tanya said this to me you know she when we talked on the podcast actually she said she just wants people when they are around her to be seen to be felt and to be heard and in using your voice, a lot of times when you don't use it, it's because you're you're afraid that people are just not going to do any of those things. They're not going to hear you. They're not going to understand you. They're going to take your words and misconstrue them or they're going to feel offended by what you say or, you know, feel uncomfortable if what you're saying is not something they agree with. And so a lot 
lot of times we silence ourselves because we're afraid of what the impact could be of what we have to say. But at the end of the day, as long as you are connected to something greater within yourself and you know that what you have is powerful, then you have to use your voice to share it, right? And whether or not you feel like people are going to dislike you or in our world unfollow you, it's not about that. You have a responsibility to your purpose and to your being to be authentic in the way that you present yourself to the world. And part of that is owning the voice and the message that you have to give. Um, I remember... When I was back in college, I applied to be Miss Spellman. And I don't know if I've shared this before, but like I was really involved with that organization, the Miss Spellman and her court organization. Um, I directed the pageant for three years, four, no, three years while I was there. And I did, I directed the vagina monologue show and I wrote and um, scripted a lot of it my senior year. Um, but my, my junior year, I applied to be Miss Bowman and I was in a abroad in Ghana when I did my interview, uh, via Skype and my now really close friend was my advisor at the time. And after I did the interview, I, I knew I didn't do well. Um, and you know, I had the inside scoop once I came back, I was, they selected seven girls for the pageant. I was number eight that got picked. And so it was just like, dang, you know what? I wasn't good enough and blah, blah, blah. So I went back and I talked to her. I was like, you know, what didn't I do right? And she was like, you just weren't confident. You were saying all the right things, but you just needed a little bit more confidence in who you were presenting yourself to be. And I thought about it. And for a long time, I beat myself up because it was just like, dang, if I had really just taken a minute to be more inflective or taken a second to, you know, be more whatever, then, but then I stopped because I'm like, no, it just wasn't for you at that time. And so fast forward to like the point of the story, I was in the rehearsal with the girls. So now these seven girls that were selected, I now had to direct them to, you know, crown a new queen. And I would come into rehearsal some days and I would just be so bitter and I would just be like because this is oh so I guess I need to explain this technically with those seven girls I was technically the alternate so if somebody dropped out then I would be then called on to join the pageant um and you know for a long time it was that was a very like frustrating thought right but I I had to let it go and one day they came into practice and everybody was just in a really bad mood and like nobody was really performing full out like we were doing the dance but nobody was really like in it and I stopped everybody and I sat everybody down and I was like look I applied to be in this pageant I wanted to be one of you guys and I didn't make it and for you to come in here and do this halfway it's really a disservice to the opportunity that you are being given and y'all I was going in like I sound like somebody's mama but I was I was really frustrated because it was like look I wanted this and y'all got this so do it right and I could tell in that moment that you know it, if it affected them but it affected me more because in that moment I owned my voice and I owned my I owned my story it was just like yeah you didn't get it but now you're doing something else and that opportunity like you know directing the pageants all those years it led to me getting a job there eventually and so it just you just never know where life is going to take you but you've got to be okay with what you 
who you are, where you are, where your story is taking you and what your voice has empowered you to do. And so in that moment, I could have just been like sulky and whatever, but I decided to just stand up and use the voice I had and use the position that I was in because I was another part of it. It was like, okay, are you going to wallow and be like all sad this whole process? Or are you going to be the director like you were, you know, brought on to do? And so It's just one of those life lessons that I always carry with me anytime I feel like I'm silencing myself or not being who I need to be in that moment. And I hope that makes sense. But yeah, so I have, you know, five things that I think will help you to own your voice. So the first things first, um, your voice connects you directly to your purpose in whatever way that is, it's up to you to figure it out. But your voice will connect you to your purpose because when you speak, when you find your audience and when you find your niche or your whatever you're supposed to do, people will listen. And so you'll be connected to who you are by using your voice. And so that's the first thing is just like, in order to own it, you got to know that it's going to connect you to your purpose. The second thing in like owning your voice, focus on being authentic and transparent. Like people can tell when you are being fake, like they can tell when you're just putting on a show. They can tell when you're just trying to like feed into an image of who you think people think you should be like, just be yourself. Authenticity is going to take you so, 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 so far because you don't have to fake it. You don't have to work on it it's just who you are if you gotta be putting on all the time like that's exhausting that's the kind of work that you don't want to do you know the kind of work you want to do is building people up being inspirational like making sure your stuff is quality like that kind of stuff but like in terms of telling your story and just being open about where you are in your journey and how you're feeling like that's what resonates with people because then they can connect to you because you're just being yourself you're just being real Okay, so the third thing is be confident that what you have to say is valuable. I just don't feel like I can stress that anymore because that's just like the key thing. You got to know that what you have to say is important. You've got to know that when you speak, somebody somewhere is going to listen and just know that your experience has brought you to where you are. So it shouldn't be disregarded. It shouldn't just be like something you overlook and undervalue you first have to accept that you have some value to bring to the world and in using your voice and owning that story whatever it is you will be able to affect people's lives so positively so just know that your experience is important and be confident in that take it and run with it okay then the fourth thing understand your identity okay guys so I gotta talk about this when I, you know, I got to talk about my, my nation story all the time when I gave birth and I wasn't expecting that I was going to have a C-section and all that, like, you know, coming into motherhood in that way was, it was devastating for a lot of reasons. And if you're a mom, you know, like it, it was just a lot. But one thing that I recognized is you have to learn to advocate for yourself. You've got to learn to advocate for your, your person. You're the only person that's going to really know what you need. I mean, maybe your partner will learn to tune in. But with this story, you're going to recognize that sometimes your partner doesn't recognize that. So um, I can actually use this situation that we're in now. Right. 
My husband and I are both home every day now. We're working from home and he's on the phones for his job and I work mainly on the computer. So I don't have to take calls or anything unless I have like a, a team meeting or something like that. Um, so Nation stays with me in the like living area and my husband works from our bedroom. So I'm with Nation all day long, like all day when I start work to the end of the day and some days he only naps for an hour and so the rest of the time that I'm working I'm juggling you know working with him and then still doing my own work and my husband will come in from time to time like when he has breaks and he'll help me with nap time to like to get him down sometimes but for the most part it's just me out there with nation right and then when we get off it's me again because I'm typically the one that picks him up because he is daycare is closer to my closer to my work and so I'm the one that does bath time and bedtime and dinner time um for the most part because my husband will normally just go straight to to the gym so for the most part nation's on me and that's a system that has worked just because of proximity but now that we're home and I'm with him for most of the day it was becoming exhausting for me to really do it on my own and so I had to and it's like my husband is not thinking like oh maybe I should do x y and z because it's just like this is our routine this is how it's always been and I really had to be like hey okay I need you to do bedtime before you go to the gym or bath time before you go to the gym and then I'll do dinner and put him to sleep or I need you to do lunch today or I need you to do lunch on these days it's like really advocating for what you need so that you can be your best self and because I realized I was just burnt out like exhausted not getting anything done afterwards because I was tired um and it's just like again it's not because he's not like trying to do what he's supposed to do it's just this is the routine that we've already built up and it's worked you know and I realized that in as part of like owning my voice and owning my my womanhood my motherhood it's also being able to advocate for what I need in whatever circumstance that we find ourselves in so just know that if you want to really own your voice understand your identity and and figure out how to reconcile all of those parts but then advocate for yourself advocate for what you need and figure out how to get there and get everybody that you need to get on board on board and don't be afraid of like how people will respond as long as you know that what you are asking for even in a work position like if something is not comfortable for you in your job say something if you don't like the way that your boss speaks to you say something you know don't just take it because you feel like oh I need this job you can find a respectful and politically correct way to address issues that bother you and if it's really something that you know makes you uncomfortable in any circumstance you find a way to advocate for yourself but on the flip side something that I learned in Michelle Obama's book and this is the last tip is you know choose your words carefully because the way that you speak and the way that you present yourself it also forms your reputation in terms of who people think you are and the words that you choose matter because it it's gonna resonate with people in a good or a bad way and you know you don't want to spend too much time caring about people's opinions and how they feel about you but you also want to make sure you're not being a, a crappy person you know what I mean so just find that balance but just know that your words the way that you choose your words they do matter and Michelle Obama gives such a great example in the book about how you know she was coming across as kind of like just strong and like 
anyway, read the book so you can get it. But in her, basically what she was trying to say is that, you know, she was thinking it was coming across one way, but to the rest of the world, it was just like, it was too much. And so she had to find a way to pull back and balance her image through her words. Okay, so then finally, this is a bonus tip. So I guess we can call this number six or a bonus, whatever you want to call it. Owning your voice means that you are clear on what matters to you. And what I mean by that is like, you know, we talked about knowing your identity and being a self-advocate. But then on the flip side or as part of that, if you want to really own your voice, you got to know what you stand for. You got to know what things are important to me that when I speak, people understand. What are your pillars? What are your values? What are the things that uh, make up the core of who you are? Because anytime you communicate anything, that needs to come out in your in your person. You know, one of the things that has become very important to me is making sure that people feel good after they've had an encounter with me. And that's a part of owning your voice. It's a part of, you know, the experience that people have with you as a person that they're going to come to for whatever it is that you are trying to do for them and with them and through them. And so that's just something you have to really think about is what are the things that matter the most to me? So I hope that this is helpful. And as a part of this is something new I'm trying. I'm going to, oh, I created rather a owning your voice workbook, um, something for my luminaries. And it's just a few pages of things and exercises that you can try, questions that you can ask yourself and really sit down and think through these six things that we talked about and take it further like understanding who do you want to be to the world and how can your voice communicate that um so i hope it's useful i hope you enjoy it all you have to do is click the link and then it'll ask you for your name your email and then we'll send you a copy of the workbook so i hope you enjoy it and please give me your feedback on what you think about it and if it's helped you and you know yeah so we can all continue to bloom and grow and just become the best versions of ourselves possible i hope you enjoyed today's lesson in bloom and that you'll like share and subscribe to this podcast in apple and even leave a review don't forget to join our mailing list and we'll see you next week Blue Marys. thanks for listening